Activated the marching orders. CNN fact-checked the House's impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden just hours after the White House asked news executives to up the scrutiny on Republicans. CNN fact-checked team admitted most of the claims were true, but of course they downplayed the allegations as no big deal. Speaker of the House McCarthy announcing uh, Tuesday Republicans would move forward with an impeachment inquiry. That is the official investigatory aspect of gathering information for the purposes of potentially impeaching. And, of course, it was the, the, you know, the White House just the week after the courts told them you have to stop illegally violating the First Amendment rights of people by pressuring tech companies when it comes to information that they post. Evidently, they recognized, ah, but you didn't say regular media, so they fired off a letter telling them, here's what you do. Get to it, CNN. Get to it, NBC. Get to it, MSNBC and all the other networks, and you start hitting the credibility of the Republicans. Get out there and do your job. And within hours, CNN, they were at it. Which, of course, is no surprise. This is how little shame and dignity they have. Even knowing that the public knows the White House demanded that they start trying to pick apart and and, uh, hitting the credibility of the impeachment inquiry. Even knowing that it was out there that they were told to do it, they still get right on it and start doing it. There is no concern amongst those folks of, you know, once upon a time, they, they seem to care about credibility and seem to worry about the appearance of corruption, but uh, it is it clearly, clearly is not a concern any longer. I, ratings aren't even a concern any longer. I think this is what a lot of people, particularly when it comes to CNN and MSNBC, don't understand, or the left-wingers that run some of these companies, and we see they will make some sort of decision uh, that is political in nature, or they're extremely biased when it comes to the news. And we they don't, you know, when are they going to quote learn that doing this is hurting their business? They don't want the business to exist unless it is serving their political purposes. If the business that they get in charge of, whether it is media or a store or a product, if they are unable to make it a a marketing tool for left-wing causes, then they want it to cease to exist. So it is not a bother to them if they run it into the ground. That doesn't bother them. That's just one less entity that exists that you know is not doing their bidding for them. And until, in their minds, we live in a world where every company, every institution, every person is a soldier for their cause, they will not be happy and they will not rest. Latest news update. 
Good morning, everyone. I'm Color 10's Angela Luna. A deadly motorcycle crash during evening rush hour in Springfield after the motorcycle collided with a car. The crash happened on Glenstone and Grant, and police tell us the motorcyclist was not wearing a helmet. Color 10 spoke to a woman who saw the entire thing and ran to help the motorcyclist. Rhonda Schmember, a former trauma nurse, witnessed the crash and went to aid the man on the ground. Police are reminding drivers to be cautious on the road and say bikers should always wear a helmet. An unusual police chase is raising questions about what kind of pets you can have inside city limits. Body cam video from Tuesday night shows two officers chasing after a pet lemur that got loose in South Springfield. Springfield Green County Health says the owners of the lemur were cooperative in handling their pet over to animal control. The lemur will eventually head to a sanctuary or a zoo. For the latest news, tune into Fox 49 at 5 and 6. I'm Angela Luna. First alert forecast sponsored by St. Clair of the Ozarks Home Improvements from Colorton Fox 49. Meteorologist Tom Schmidt, sunny 79 today, mostly clear tonight. Low of 54 tomorrow, sunny 79. Hijacking Jesus, our author of the week, is coming up just after we're going to get a traffic update here. It is a great one, great interview. Definitely recommend if you have to miss any of it, you're pulling up to work, you're getting ready to pull up to work, listen to the on-demand section at ksgf.com or the KSGF app when you get a chance. Author of the Week, sponsored by ABC Books on North Glenstone. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Springfield's Talk 1041. My name is Nick Reed, and it is Thursday, which means it's Author of the Week Day, sponsored by ABC Books on North Glenstone. And I want to welcome author Jason Yamir, uh, Yamenez with us this morning. And the book is Hijacking Jesus, How Progressive Christians Are Remaking Him and Taking Over His Church. Jason is the a founder and president of Stand Strong Ministries, faculty member at Summit Ministries, and a best-selling author, national speaker, specializing in biblical worldview training, family ministry, and church leadership. And there's a, a website, and I'll remind everyone at the end again in case you want to visit it, IWillStandStrong.org, and then StandStrongMinistries.org as well. And now that we have all of that out of the way, of course, you've been the author of numerous books. Um, what made you decide to write Hijacking Jesus? Well, first, Nick, thank you for having me on, and I, it's a pleasure to be with you. And I thank you for, for you know just motivating people to you know get Christian books, right, to help people become biblically literate and to sharpen their biblical worldview, which is precisely why I wrote the book. I mean, in all my travels engaging people, there's been the stirring up of deconversions, people who've walked away or no longer believe the quote unquote, you know, like air quotes, traditional Christianity. What they mean by that is that what they've been taught about Jesus in the Bible to believe that the Bible is the authority of God's word, that Jesus came uh, to die on the cross for our sins, and that he rose again physically and literally. A lot of people who are professing to be these, rene- these reinvigorated or reinvigorated Christians or progressive Christians, they deny those teachings that are foundational to the historic Christian faith. And so the more that I was engaging older people and talking to younger people and grandkids and adult kids and teenagers, you're seeing this progressive ideology of Jesus, which has become a hijacking, and they're seeking out conservative Bible-believing uh, schools and churches to indoctrinate them with what they believe to be the true Jesus, and that's why I wrote this book. I think there are a lot of Christians who, when they hear uh, the terminology hijacking Jesus or they hear references to 
um, you know, maybe Jesus being invoked in a political context, they think that uh, oftentimes uh, individuals that maybe aren't even Christians, they will point to certain political issues and say, well, you know, if Jesus were alive today, he would do this and he would do that. But in fact, in, in hijacking Jesus and how progressive Christians are remaking him and taking over his church, it's, I don't know if the word is subtle, it's not as clear and obvious, I'd say, as I think a lot of people assume. Yeah, so like my, my when you say the politicization, you're right in that, and that's where a lot of times I think people are fixated. And so what, what happens oftentimes is Christians see what they believe to be something that runs contrary, like a social justice movement, mm. and they placate it with Jesus and put Jesus front and center. You know, Jesus would have wore masks, Jesus would have done... You know, his booster shot, Jesus would be marching with BLM, that sort of, sort of thing, right? Well, that's more of the imagery of portraying Jesus as a woke, inclusive teacher, right? That he embraces all views, all sexuality, all lifestyles, that he, he did not come to condemn people in their sin, uh, but he embraced people, in, uh, you know, with inclusivity, with love and peace and joy. Now, those are partial truths. What I show, the hijacking that goes way deeper than that, that actually leads to that type of uh, announcement is that they reject progressive Christianity, does not believe in the divinity of Jesus, that he is fully God. They do not believe in the virgin birth, his atonement, that he came and died on the cross for our sins. They don't believe in the second coming. And therefore, they don't believe in a literal, physical, resurrected body. Therefore, as a Christian, right, they don't believe that we will one day have uh, full redemption and receive our resurrected bodies. Um, and so when you look at the heart of that, Nick, what you have is you have a hijacking, because in place of that, they strip Jesus of his divinity and his miracles, right, and his purpose of coming into this world to die on the cross for our sins, to, you know, to bring us from alienation to restoration. And instead, they mask Jesus into this liberator, into, into this crusader who is a socialist and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And more or less, that becomes a humanistic person that has been built in basically publicized and politicized by people, by individuals. And that is a true hijacking that is taking place, not just in the political realm, but in the heart of churches now today. And my heart and passion and desire is not just to inform about this taking place, but to really help Christians truly know and be captured and captivated by the love and passion and forgiveness of Jesus that's illuminated in the authority of Scripture. We are talking with Jason Jimenez, author of Hijacking Jesus, How Progressive Christians Are Remaking Him, Taking Over His Church. It's always struck me, even before I really began to get a, a uh, more, um, well, better understanding as to this particular subject matter, I, there were certain churches that I'd say are a little more obvious in this category, and and I saw it as very appealing to um, what I would call the instant gratification Christian, or mm-hmm. maybe even the lazy. Like all you have to do is be a good person. That's it. That's really all that there is. I mean, Jesus taught love and kindness, and as long as you are a quote good person, then you are fulfilling what it is you need to do in order to get into heaven. Is that an overly simplistic view of this? I mean, it, it is in a sense that you're right that the that the that what's happening is the masses of individuals who have grown up in a very watered down, right, uh, mm-hmm. with no doctrine and with no foundational historical theological significance of Christianity, 
that's how they placate Christianity. It's just about moralism. And so, yes, to your point, Nick, what has happened though, over time is that when you do have deeper thinkers, and, and this is what I charted back in the book because this was important, making the distinction, obviously, for people to understand, here's what progressive Christianity affirms, and this is where, where they differ with biblical Christianity, right? And as I said, the hijacking is on the divinity of Jesus all the way to his second coming. But like you said, is one of the things that has taken place with this, like, hey, look, Jesus was a person of peace. Jesus didn't call people out of their sin. Uh, Jesus was not about, you know, these binary issues like you traditional Christians do with your rigid doctrine. Now, that's not just an oversimplification. What that is, that those are caricatures. That's a mischaracterization of not only Christianity, but first and foremost of Jesus. And so I think it is it is incumbent upon Christians, just like we see uh, in the early church, is that we have to address those falsities. We have to address them uh, pointedly with love, but we have to correct people uh, with this radicalization of how they're painting Christianity. Because again, just as you know, when you build up a straw man of an argument and you can therefore easily tear it down, um, that doesn't prove anything. It doesn't, and it doesn't even prove your point. And progressive Christians are very good at doing that. They build a straw man against uh, traditional Christianity, they say. But when you really look at the heart of what they're doing, they're actually taking Jesus in Christianity historically out of its proper context. And so over time, people, they, when they become apathetic or they're not really challenging in their, in their critical thinking skills are lacking, um, this is where they can become you know, a, uh, a victim, if you will, of, of, of a false gospel. And so my heart's desire is to really address that. So whether it's apathy or laxity uh, or fear, we really need to draw attention to this because, it, as I talk about in the book, Nick, it has spiritual implications attached to it. Because if Jesus truly is just like you said, you know, from the progressive model, he's just a socialist. He was just a liberator. He was just trying to reform Judaism or overtake uh, Roman imperialism but, but failed, and his disciples started a religion in honor of him. If that's all it is then guess what? We're going to be dead in our sins. And there's hell. There's eternal damnation. And so I love people enough to speak the truth in love to let them know who Jesus truly is. I I know that a lot of our audience, we we have Christians and and Christians that seek out the truth. We also have a a significant number of uh, those intellectually curious, and those two things together I think are completely and totally awesome. And so I, I know a lot listening right now, they may wonder, uh-oh, well, wait a minute. What if, <laughs> what if I'm in one of these churches? What if these are the messages mm-hmm. that I'm hearing? And I'm sure there's not you know, this official list where, oh, if you hear this, that's exactly what this means. But you, you mentioned straw man arguments and things that are probably effective oftentimes that progressives use. Um, are there any that you you see that are real common that if people are hearing these messages from the pulpit that maybe they should look a little further into this and and uh, have a little bit of intellectual curiosity at play? Oh, absolutely, and that's a great question. I'm glad you asked it because yeah, at the heart of it I did pastorally, you know, is to come alongside and let people say you know let people know like hey when people say certain things that you that may uh, draw you to question or make you feel a little uncomfortable. What are some of those? So this will help your audience, uh, Nick. Number one, it's how they view truth. 
See, at the heart of progressive Christianity and a lot of liberal churches is they're postmodern, meaning, you know, that objective truths don't exist. And so your faith journey, what you believe about the Bible or other religions, and most of them are religious pluralists. So Jesus or Christianity is just one path of many. That's a red flag. They have to, so be careful if you're in a church that they're teaching that type of thing, like, like absolute truth are dogmatic to say that Jesus is the only way, truth, and life, and no, mu- no man comes to the Father except through him. If they deny that, that's heresy. That, you know, so be careful with that. Number two is their view of God. And most progressive Christians believe that the universe is God as God is in the universe. That's known as panentheism. Or they may take a deistic view that God created the universe, but he's not really involved in the affairs of the universe. Okay, that's very dangerous. If another area in the church, they're teaching that the Bible uh, has been corrupted, and you really can't trust the inspiration or, the, or, or to buy into this infallibility that writers hijacked it through the centuries to make Jesus more of a godlike character. If that church is teaching that or saying Jesus never called out these particular sins. And if you just look in Mark chapter eight, where Jesus clearly calls out sin that defiles a person. And yet they misinterpret that or say, that's not the case. We are to take the Bible metaphorically. That is a major red flag. And then the last thing I'd say when it comes to Jesus, if, if like we were, we were just talking earlier if Jesus is more just a woke teacher, if he's just more of a liberator or a revolutionist or another portrayal that progressive Christians have of Jesus is that he was a Jewish mystic. So they teach a lot of mysticism, and that's how they interpret the spiritual symbolism in the Bible. Those are all red flags, which ultimately then leads, and this is what predominantly a lot of people are facing today, um, is social gospel. And the social gospel is that humans are not born in sin. What we have to do is rid the world from oppressors, and we need to fight for unity. We need to fight peace and justice. Well, the question is, if there is no ultimate standard of justice, then who determines that? So if the, if the church is about that, and they're not about that, we've been, uh, that we fall short of the glory of God, and it's only through Jesus Christ that we can be redeemed, that is not only a red flag. I would tell those people to leave that church because they are teaching things that are not uh, in, in support or that affirm the Scriptures. Well, and that leads to my next question, uh, which you answered here, I suppose, to some degree, and, and that is people, they hear this, and maybe they've been going to a church, and that's the church that they know, and then they realize, uh-oh, I'm, I'm being misled here, but they feel lost. They have no idea where to go. What, what do you recommend? Well, one, praise God for the work you're doing, because if they can trust the outlets that are in their community where you guys are pointing them to the truth, then they can contact you guys if, if they find out that they're like in a woke church or they're an inclusive church or, you know, the church has the rainbow and, and they're making Jesus out to be, you know, someone other than being fully God and fully man. Uh, number one is, is to know that um, leave the church. Now, I always recommend people that if it's that outright, then it's really not going to do any good for you to in love uh, address it to the leaders, especially if they've publicized it over and over again, like many of the churches have done. And I reported on this. Uh, matter of fact, probably a friend of your show, Elisa Childers, who's a friend of mine, she wrote another gospel. Uh, you know, she was in the music industry for years. And, and as she started growing her faith, she found that her and her family were actually attending a progressive church. And she was actually going through discipleship classes under this particular pastor. And there were a couple things that the pastor would say sometimes in passing, and it just didn't sit right. And then, good for Elisa, she would actually go and look in Scripture 
and figure out the truth like Bereans in Acts 17.11. So if somebody finds themselves in that situation where they've done their research, they've looked at the Word of God, and they see that this church that they were a part of for so long, where their, their kids have grown up in, maybe it's even, I talked to people, Nick, who go to a church where their school's attached to it. Um, and they're kind of going with, you know, more white fragility or, or, you know, Jesus isn't the only way type thing, and they're trying to be all-inclusive, um, I recommend that they actually find a mentor couple, somebody that they can trust, maybe, because here's what happens. Inevitably, they start looking back and saying, oh, that's when, let's say, the Rogers family left, or that's when the Smith family left. And then I encourage people to reach out to those previous members of the church and, and ask if you can come over or have coffee to really – find out why they left and where they're at now. And that we're seeing that happening a lot when these takeovers have taken place, uh, when people are kind of sabotaging these churches that once professed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and then are now being dismissive of that and are advancing LGBT uh, critical race theory issues, right, making Jesus out to be a liberator rather than the Savior. And what's happening is a lot of them are turning to one another in their community and saying, show us the way. And you know what? That's very biblical, and that's what I encourage people. A Christian radio station, a great solid website. They can go to standstrongministries.org. They can email us through our website. We have a series of churches that we affirm that are Bible-believing churches that we support um, that can help them you know, get plugged in. So those are ways that people um, can find answers if they find themselves in a progressive church. And I would ask, uh, finally, with our Author of the Week, Jason Jimenez, uh, a lot of people that listen to this show, to this station, they have kids, they have grandkids, and they worry about them. I think that just because of uh, different media outlets that young people are more in tune with, it makes them easier to connect to or target by progressive churches. And, and so their parents, grandparents, they don't really know how to communicate with them. It, would you tell us um, about I Will Stand Strong, this movement that you launched back in 2018? Yeah, um, that's a great point to kind of lead into as a call to action. If people find themselves in, the, in that situation, the I Will Stand Strong, I, I partnered with uh, two Christian entrepreneurs who are heavily involved um, in kingdom-building and not just in the corporate world, but also in education and in churches, the, the Benham brothers, David and Jason Benham. And we partnered with Uversion, and we created a 30-day challenge where we've had tens of thousands of young people and youth groups and college ministries go through together. And the idea, Nick, is to help, you know, and this is something that we've even used when somebody comes and says, hey, you know, I'm struggling with my relationship with my son or my daughter. You know, they've gone to college, and you kind of hear that story, they'd be converted from Christianity, they no longer believe. How do I engage them? Um, we have a resource called Challenging Conversations that if they look me up, Jason Jimenez on Amazon, you can get that. That's a great book to help them dialogue and engage. But also, we've also recommended through the I Will Stand Strong movement for them to really consider doing that 30-day challenge with that grandchild or with that adult or teenage child. And it teaches them how to learn to love God learn to depend on God's word and also to live in community. And so it's been a helpful tool. Again, you taught, you were saying earlier how to engage people even beyond a paper book, right? How do you reach them on social media? And the great thing with you version is we know everyone pretty much has that app, um, you know, and you can access it right there on your phone and you can go through the, the 30 day challenge that we do with, I will stand strong. And it's been a great tool to really not just get the conversation going with people who are struggling or doubting, but also to help people to grow stronger in their faith in general. 
Well, I thank you so much uh, for being with us for the book. Jason Jimenez, the book is, again, Hijacking Jesus, How Progressive Christians Are Remaking Him and Taking Over His Church, this book and all others that are sponsor, of course, for Author of the Week, ABC Books on North Glenstone. Springfield's Talk 1041. i I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Tomorrow morning, broadcasting live from Scramblers on Republic Road and National. Right now, Sarah Meyer. Thank you. And I wanted to read a five-star review from Julie about my friends over at Beatles Property Maintenance. Julie wrote, very professional and easy to work with. I've used them on multiple items in my crawl space and for some plumbing, and I'm happy with all of the work Beatles Property Maintenance has done. Now, if you missed it, a couple weeks ago, I celebrated the second anniversary of me purchasing my first home, and I posted a video of some of the work that the Beatles Property Maintenance team has done around my home, and they are just a top-notch company, and I keep calling them back for all of my home repair maintenance needs because they simply do great work. Now, if you want to see the video, kind of get an insight of the work that they've done around my house, I have it posted up at ksgf.com under the Sarah's Endorsements tab. And while you're there, you can also find all of their contact information. And don't forget, Beatles is spelled B-E-A-D-L-E-S. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. First alert forecast sponsored by Navant, N-E-V-O-N-T, employee benefits that work. You know, they're a local company, and they can customize benefits. They're they're good folks over there. The Color 10 Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt forecasts sunny 79 today. Tonight, mostly clear, low of 54, and tomorrow sunny 79. The first official performance of the season for Springfield Symphony is... Uh, coming up just uh, a couple days away. What is today's Thursday? Uh, Caitlin Pack is with us, Springfield Symphony. It's great to see you. Yes, it's great. Uh, it to just see feels you like back. it's been some time. Yeah, well, it's, only, it's been a couple weeks since we were here with the Daredevils, but we're excited to be oh, back. Oh, it was longer than that, wasn't it? It was. It was last month, so it's been okay. a couple weeks. But right. yeah, it does feel like it's been a little bit <laughs> yes. of time, but excited to be back with Yeah, it's great to see you. So what's coming up? Yeah, so we have our first official uh, concert of the season, which is hashtag opening night. Um, our whole season this year is hashtags, and based right. on um, our season theme is FOMO, Fear of Missing Out. These are shows you don't mm-hmm. want to miss out on. Yes. So it's pretty fun. It's good theme. I like it. Yeah. So we're really trying to, you know, encompass some really special things at each concert. Well, I know a lot of the different concerts, the the titles of the concerts give you some sort of idea of the theme. Mm-hmm. This yeah. opening night is more referencing the opening night. Yeah. So what what is it that uh, people who attend will experience? Yeah. So we're doing a lot of... Um, you know, really familiar pieces mm. or some things that people might have never heard before. So we're opening the show with The Sorcerer's Apprentice, which Fantasia grew yeah. up with it. Mm. We all know and love yes. it. So we're, I'm really excited to see that live on stage. And then we're um, going to a actually new work that was premiered, I believe, last season with mm. the Cincinnati Orchestra. Um, it's called The Beautiful Hours. It's a beautiful piece with focus on um, some oboe soloists. And we okay. have the soloist, Dwight Perry, from Cincinnati, who this piece was wrote for. All and right. so he's going to be on stage with us. And so it's going to be a really cool new experience for our audiences. And it's a piece that people don't know, but we hope they absolutely right. enjoy. 
All right, so this mm-hmm. is kicking off the season, and a lot of people don't know, but you can get you call them season passes, and are those still available? Mm-hmm. How does that work? For yeah, so that we do um, season tickets. Um, those are still on sale before the first show. Okay. Um, you can do a full season, which is all nine concerts. You can do a classical mm. season pass, which is six concerts, and then we have our pops, which are three different shows that we have um, that are a little bit more. I don't want to say contemporary, but they're more okay. well-known. They're new things that aren't, like, traditionally classical pieces. Got it. Yeah. And if somebody decides, oh, yeah, I'd really like to do the season pass thing. Oh, but, you know, we're going to be gone this month, and we can't go this. Can other people use them? Absolutely. We have a lot of people, you know, life happens, vacations, yes, parties. true. Get sick. We understand. Yeah, you can absolutely transfer your tickets. Um to somebody else to give your tickets or okay. we can also do exchange and vouchers for other shows as well oh that i was not aware of yeah. i actually knew the answer <laughs> to the question but that part i did not know mm-hmm. yeah so, so we try to make it as yeah. easy well, we that's want nice. you there at the theater with us and we okay. love it uh i'm just trying to think as it kicks off the new season some of these over or all-encompassing questions but i think that might i mean people can order them online i know or Mm -hmm. we always get that information up yeah um can people order online and then pick them up the day of the performance at the ticket absolutely yeah you just need to say that you'll want to pick them up at will call or give the box office over at hammond's hall a call and they'll have it there for you i once looked up because we're, I'm familiar with Will Call, used Will Call. We've done tickets for Will Call before for winners. Mm-hmm. And I once, I looked up the origins of the term Will. I was like, where do, what does that even mean? How did that, where did that come about? Huh. But I don't remember the answer. I and I was going to throw either. it to you, but based <laughs> off your, huh, I now realize that you too do not know the answer to that. No. I've, I'm always, there are these phrases that we use not mm-hmm. just in theater. I mean, just in yeah. on everyday speak that, you know, everyone knows what they mean. But then I'm like, where did that even come from? I just always find myself interested. And I did. I looked up that will call once. I'm going to have to look it up again. Yeah. That'd and be, find I mean, out. And then it's, I will share it with you next time you're here. Yeah. That's very interesting. You know, it's just something that's always been, mm. you know, it's part okay, of the theater. So let me ask you this, though. Yeah. This isn't necessarily applicable to symphony, though maybe it is more theater production stage, you know, like a plays okay and i thought i knew because i did theater in high school and after high school dinner theater stuff and everything and uh i had been told once at one point break a leg that term came from this and then i had mentioned it i think it was to my wife and she as oftentimes and i'm very grateful that she trusts but verifies Mm -hmm. and she found a lot of other background explanations from where that terminology came from None of which was mine. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, well, I know that I heard that somewhere. So do you have any, have you ever heard or been told, oh, well, that's where that break a leg comes from? Um, Not that I can like really think of. It's always just been something ingrained. In, right, sure. In, well, in that's one of those things, world, right? Exactly. Yeah. So what I had been told once upon a time that, I don't know, this may not be true, is that there was a period of time that there was, the, the curtsy was not done unless there was a standing ovation. Mm-hmm. And that was just, you know, it, hmm. it that was the case. And when you do the curtsy, you have a break in your leg, you know, the bend yeah, of the knee. Mm-hmm. And so break a leg was always meant to do such a good performance that you get a standing ovation at the end, mm-hmm. which would require you to break a knee or break a huh. leg. Now, uh, again, when my wife looked it up, I, she did not find that anywhere. 
somewhere. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that maybe I had been told wrong, but I thought that was a clever idea. I, hey, if it makes sense to some yeah. people, that's great. All right. Anything <laughs> else that we need? I don't. Um, we're really excited to have uh, the sh- show open this weekend. It's Saturday, Saturday at 730 at Hammonds mm-hmm. Hall. You can buy tickets online. We have a BOGO special going on right oh, now. Perfect. So um, if you check out with the code SYMPHBOGO, so S-Y-M-P-H-B-O-G-O, you'll get uh, buy one, get one. All right. Perfect. Sounds good. It's great to see you as always. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right. Caitlin mm-hmm. Pack, Springfield Symphony, Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Again, thanking Caitlin Pack coming in, Springfield Symphony. And I should have mentioned this before we went to the break, but we've got a family four pack to give away. Is that right? That's correct. So what what does a person do in order to easily register for their chance to it's win? It's super simple. All you got to do is text our American Transmissions talk and text line. That phone number is 417 447 Five seven four three. Do we test this? Yes. Okay. We cool. tested it. Yep. All you'll do is you'll text the word "win," all one word, W I N, uh, to that American Transmissions talk and text line, and at nine o'clock, I will draw a winner, and then you can pick them up at the station. It's as simple as that. The performance is again Saturday, and if you, it's got to be just the word "win." The way the system's set up, if you put an exclamation point or a smiley face or something, then it will not accept it. So it's got to be. One word, W-I-N. I don't think caps. Do caps matter? I don't think so. Just do it. Is it all lowercase? Is that how we no, put it in? No, it's an uppercase oh, okay. W. Well, you had to make it complicated. I know. I know. Did they get a kickback telling them if they succeeded? Uh-huh. Yep. Right? It'll, okay. You'll get a message that says, thanks for registering. We'll text you if you are the winner. A uh, couple of things that I want to note here. One is uh, yesterday I saw, well, we had our Retro Metro Lunch Bunch. Yes. And... Uh, it was, it was, they're always so great. People, almost one of the questions we get the most from Lunch Bunch winners is so, do you ever get like really weird people or, or you know, crazy? And we just, I mean, everyone we get are always totally, completely normal, awesome people. And uh, yesterday, of course, was no exception. I believe it's next week they're launching their new lunch menu. Uh, they posted it, Retro Metro did on Facebook. Uh, Facebook, and I don't know what other social media they utilize, and it looks awesome. I'm telling you, I read through it, and I, I cannot wait. So I recommend you follow Retro Metro on social media. You can see that new lunch menu. We had yesterday with our group somebody that was uh, gluten-free, and she, so she had her own menu because they don't just have one or two little items for people that have dietary restrictions. They have a full menu. And then what was the other guy? She, was she vegetarian? Yes. Or, yeah, and so there was a, a menu for her as well. So if you are somebody that has dietary restrictions, definitely keep retro metro in mind because it's it is a place that has great options uh for you and they have coming up october uh 7th right saturday october 7th yes i believe so this is their mm-hmm. it's, i don't know if they're calling it an october fest deal but taylor who always takes care of us was telling us about it sounds totally awesome 30 bucks a person and there's a german buffet food all you can eat Outdoor music. She was telling us about the bookings, and one of the performers 
was there for St. Patrick's Day, and she said they are completely awesome, totally awesome. And so for thirty bucks a person, there's gonna you know all sorts of now you you pay the beer I believe is you know it's five bucks a beer is what she said, and then all you can eat German buffet, and that is going to be October seventh. I I do believe on Facebook Retro Metro has information about that as well, and I think you just call if you want to purchase tickets for that. So I wanted to mention it because it sounds like it's going to be a totally awesome event. I took my mother there for Mother's Day, and they do those events upright 100%. So if the Oktoberfest event on Saturday, October 7th, is anything like Mother's Day, trust me, that is where you're going to want to be. That being said, Sarah Myers. Thank you. Well, fall is almost here, and soon the leaves will begin to drop. So this is your friendly PSA to keep your gutters in mind. And right now is also a great time to schedule a free roof inspection with the Pyramid Roofing Company. Now, Josh and his team, they'll come out, they'll do that free roof inspection for you, and they'll make sure that you haven't experienced any wind or hail damage over the summer. And they can also check your vents and your gutters as well. And if they do find something, uh, maybe you're in a situation where you need a whole new roof, or maybe you need just a simple roof repair, the Pyramid Roofing Company, they have got you covered. Now, for that free roof inspection, you can give Josh and his team a call today, and you can find all of their contact information under the Sarah's Endorsements tab at ksgf.com. There is a a story that I'm not going to go all the way through it, but it is uh, uh, the Federalist. uh, L.A. versus hate. Snitch line funded by taxes and big business. Authorities in L.A. County are operating an ideologically charged tip line encouraging citizens to report one another to the government for non-criminal hate incidents. The project called L.A. versus Hate was founded in 2020 as backed by a handful of corporate sponsors. It describes itself as a community-centered creative campaign to encourage and support all residents of L.A. County to unite against report and resist hate. The program relies on anonymous reporting online and through a tip line, 211LA, and is not affiliated with law enforcement. Um, Among other things, it gets financial support from the American Rescue Plan. So, you know, your COVID tax dollars go to save us all from COVID is is going for this tip line, which encourages people to report on one another that um, even uh, things that aren't against the law, but and we all know what this is, right? This is if you say something that offends people on the left. That's what this all, all boils down to. And I thought it would just be interesting, given that this is the direction that Democrats are taking us, and this is an official report line in which the government of Los Angeles, under Democrat rule, is encouraging fellow citizens to report on one another. And so I just went to a couple of historical websites, um, and I thought I'd grab these little snippets regarding the Stasi. Around 189,000 people were informers, the secret police of the GDR's communist regime, when the Berlin Wall fell in 1989. That is according to Thuringian's State Office for Researching East Germany's Stasi. Previously, the number of Stasi informers in 1989 had been estimated at 174,000. The complete report by historian Helmut Mueller Inberg. Uh, is to be published on Thursday. This was written some time ago. They note that the Stasi heavily relied on ordinary people to report activities that deviated from the official political ideology in the country of 16 million. According to Mueller-Inberg, 620 people uh, 620,000 people worked undercover for the Stasi in both East and West Germany during the 51 years of communist states' existence. 
around 12,000 of them West Germany, uh, were West Germans. In East Germany, one in 20 Communist Party members was a Stasi spy. According to the report, political ideals served as the primary motivation for people to turn in their neighbors, friends and acquaintances, to the secret police. Also, this, under the uh, historical article, informants, the Holocaust explained, designed for schools. The Wehrmacht was the German army in the Third Reich. It collaborated with the Nazis through their time and power to help them achieve their ideological aims, such as Liebensraum and the extermination of Jews and others. Um, many of the soldiers did not adhere to the Hague Convention, instead actively helped Nazis to persecute murder Jews and so forth during the invasion of the Soviet Union, provided vital logistical support, um, and among the other things, they also encouraged citizens, civilians, to report on one another to the government if they fell out of ideological line with the party rule. And I just would suggest that any sort of behavior, for example, setting up a tip line for citizens to report on what they call hate, even if it's not illegal, so that the government can make sure that everyone is on the same page, when that's the sort of thing that the Stasi did, when that's the sort of thing that the Nazis did, maybe, just maybe, it's not the best idea. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. All right, everyone. So there were a couple of... Um, Positive notes for the country. A federal judge in Texas ruled DACA is illegal. The deferred action for childhood arrivals. This is one of those actions that was taken by the Obama administration that he himself, prior to it, acknowledged was in violation of the Constitution. Uh, he was giving a speech prior to DACA in which he noted that he does not, as president, constitutionally have the authority to just dictate that children who are in this country illegally because they were brought here as children, he can't just wave a magic wand and say it's okay. He noted, we have a thing called the Constitution, but when Congress did not do what he wanted, he went ahead and violated the Constitution. So it, it wasn't a surprise. He knew he could not do it, but that, of course, is... It's just the Constitution. Uh, speaking of, a Biden-appointed judge blocked New Mexico governors lifting of or uh, striking of for a period of time the Second Amendment in the Constitution. She had days ago dictated that the Second Amendment no longer applied, at least for a period of time, claiming that because it was temporary, it was okay. That's kind of an unusual position. Evidently, a Biden-appointed judge disagreed. We'll see you tomorrow morning at Scramblers for the Friday Roadshow. Glenn Beck's next. I'm Nick Reed.